Hello and welcome back to the Cisco UKI podcast, the podcast where we take the acronyms out of tech and we put the fun in. You're tuned in to one of our monthly Tech Talk episodes, a spin-off from our main podcast where we deep dive into an area of technology with some of our favourite Cisco experts. In this month's Tech Talk, we're exploring cloud calling. So Nick, Thanks so much for joining us on our second Tech Talk. So we decided a wee while ago, um, Rosie and I, that it was important that we started covering more technology on our podcast. So we have scheduled these 30-minute Tech Talks just to dive into an area of technology. And I will let you explain what it is that we're going to talk about. And we do this, we start every Tech Talk with a quick fire round. So think mastermind. So are you ready, Nick, to answer your mastermind who are you questions? I hope so. <laughs> Ready? Name? Nick Gray. <laughs> Job title? Uh, I'm a technical solutions architect. We also call ourselves TSAs. And length of time you've been at Cisco? Almost two and a half years. Your speciality subject? Well, it's got to be collaboration. That's what I work in. That and uh, all things, uh, yeah, probably all things voice, probably. Favourite thing about your job? Oh, I'm like a kid in a candy shop getting my hands on all the technology every single day, playing with new stuff, demonstrating new stuff. Um, Yeah, it's the kid's dream, you know. And lastly, a piece of technology you could not live without. I thought about this actually, because I listened to one of your previous podcasts. Um, I, from a work perspective, I love my Desk Pro. So um, for anyone that's not used the Desk Pro, it's an amazing bit of collaboration uh, video kit that, that we have, it, it's brilliant. From a personal point of view, um, I've got a Tesla and I absolutely love it. Um, so I suppose the two bits of cool technology there. Nice answers. So Nick, let's dive into it. We have asked you to be here today because Rosie and I want to understand more about cloud calling. Now, just to to set a scene here, when I first started at Cisco, which was just over a year ago, I didn't have any background in technology, let alone calling or telephony or any of that. And I stumbled across a video, a demo that you had given some of the other collab sellers here at Cisco, talking about like the process of what calling used to look like and how we're transitioning to the cloud. And you explained it so well that even me as a non-technical person could understand it. And then you were kind enough to jump on a call with me and you whiteboarded and you used lots of really simple language. And I came away with that being like, I understand that. So this is also going to be a test for me today to see how much I actually did understand (laughs) at that time. But yes, from what we want to hear from you in simple terms is talk us through this journey to cloud calling, starting from the beginning. What did calling used to look like, telephony, and where are we going with it? For me, kind of where is calling uh, in the past and where is it today? Um, so when I started in uh, kind of calling, it was with traditional PSTN um, lines called feature lines, for instance, and ISDN lines and stuff like that. Um, and obviously, we've now morphed into um, a cloud-delivered solution in most cases, um, whether it's publicly hosted, privately hosted, something a bit like our WebEx calling or even dedicated instance or even competitor products. Um, having not worked for Cisco before, um, a lot of my experience came from working with um, other 
vendors um, and also networks. I've worked with BT, um, so that gave me a lot of my good foundation that I have um, and then morphed into um, working for vendors, uh, competitive vendors, actually, um, that would sell against Cisco. And and what I learned over time is just the biggest thing was the speed of change, actually. So as I talk through this, you'll probably be shocked by some of these kind of lead times. Now, you, Colette, and you, Rosie, know these because I've had many a call with a pair of you over over the last year or so. But, you know, if we start with a traditional PSTN line, most people know a PSTN line um, as an analog line like you have at home. So, Colette, I, I would imagine you've got an analog line because I can see you're at your home today. Um, traditionally, this was just used for voice. So you would make a phone call. Um, and suppliers like BT and people like that would charge you on a pence per minute basis. As time developed, they would also use these analog lines to deliver um, broadband services. So you'd have dial-up, if you remember dial-up with the old beeping noises and asking family members to get off the phone. Uh, but speeds were as low as 56 kilobits. They, they were crazy. Fundamentally, PSDN services have been around for a very long time and, and the way they're delivered is from a telephone exchange. So these are normally inconspicuous buildings throughout your local towns and villages. Um, there is copper cable that goes to a cabinet. That cabinet is then wired to your local distribution point, which is effectively a point on the outside of your house. And you plug a telephone in. And that's how kind of like PSDN would start. And that's my learnings of PSDN. And over a period of time, I, uh, as, as I was involved with um, people like um, BT, you start to learn about digital technologies being ISDN. And ISDN was then introduced to um, provide you multiple channels into an on-premise telephone system. But what I wanted to tell you, the first thing around lead times is to get an analog line installed, it took 10 days it was crazy. And I asked a, a, a new apprentice that, that, that works for us actually at the moment, a lady called Charlotte. And I said to Charlotte, I said, how long do you think it takes to get Webex calling up and running? And she was like, 24 hours? And I was like, no, I, I can do it in like 10 minutes and add PSDN services, as you both know, which I'm sure we'll touch on later on. But when I asked her, how long do you think ISDN takes? And I, she went three days. And I said, 20 days for ISDN, two of 30 days Prior to the M30, she, she was really shocked. And I think that's one of the biggest changes that I've seen, Colette and Rosie, over the period of time is the expectation of how quick you get something these days. God, I sound old when I say these days, but, but when you when you look at things like delivering ICN technologies and delivering SIP-based technologies, they are, it's like me running against Usain Bolt. It's crazy. You know, I, it's so fast. And You've seen me do multiple demos to partners and customers, and you can see how quick I can spin up PSDN services um, and set up and make a phone call. So for me, that's a really big part. I think the other thing as well is when you had traditional technologies, there would always be this thing where when you were moving office was always a really big one. So we would have customers contacting us. And I know the pair of you have had this as well. We're moving, you know, and the expectation, again, for someone that didn't work in telecommunications was, yeah, we're moving next week. And I'll be like, well, you need to set an expectation that it's going to be probably four weeks. And, oh, by the way, we're growing. So now we need to buy a phone system. And now we have to buy the cards and the phones. And do you have the right cabling? And I, I think what I learned over a period of time is voice was complicated, very complicated, lead times and stuff like that. And there's still a legacy of that. As, as you both know, there's still a lot of customers that have that legacy technology. And they're being 
not necessarily forced, but because of the technology changes with the ICN switch off that, that's happening in the UK right now, uh, and the stop sell of those services, people are having to move to a new technology, whether that is SIP into their traditional systems using gateways like our own or, or competitor products, or move to something like WebEx Calling. And, and that's really the two choices now. So can I jump in there? Rosie, you might have questions already on all of that stuff that Nick touched on. My first one is, can you back up and explain to us the ISDN switch off? What is this? What's happening? So effectively in the UK, we, we have one major network operator. We, we have some peripheral ones and some new companies out there, but the main one is, is a company called OpenReach. OpenReach is, a, is an offshoot of BT. It's a completely separate operated company. That's something that the government pushed down on, on BT a number of years ago. And, and what OpenReach do is they look after the copper wires and all the green cabinets that you see out there. Like I say, there are some other companies. There's one called City Fiber. There's KCOM or Kingston Communications. And they're, they're, there's, you know, dotted ones all over the place. And But the main one is OpenReach. And, and what they do is they're a wholesaler. So I used to work for TalkTalk Talk Business. I worked for, for BT. And what TalkTalk Talk would do is they would buy those services collect from OpenReach. So they would buy them for a price. They would put their service levels, their service wrap, their call plans, their offerings. And then you as residential customers collect or Rosie, you, you could buy TalkTalk Talk Broadband or BT Broadband or Sky Broadband. But ultimately, the underlying carrier was OpenReach. OK, so that's the first thing when it comes to the network. What's also happening is OpenReach also looking after the digital network, the ISDN network, and that network is being switched off fundamentally. Okay, so there will be certain allowances for certain um, businesses or types of businesses like emergency services and stuff like that. Um, but fundamentally, both both the analog and the digital networks are being turned off in 2025. Now, the reality is that that because of the pandemic and because of the number of open reach engineers is I think those dates will slip personally. I think they will because there's a lot of people out there that have legacy technologies. Now I myself have actually moved over from using an analog phone at home to having my service delivered via a analog line into my house. And then my analog phone now plugs into my router a bit like we do with WebEx calling. So we have ATAs. Um, effectively my Sky router is an ATA. So what Sky have started to do is to push my voice over IP. That's what they've done. So you're seeing it already. But like I say, there'll be special services like uh, lift lines, and the lift lines are powered from the telephone exchange. So if you've ever noticed, if you've ever had a power cut, what, what people like Sky are saying to people now, do you have an alternative method of communication? Do you have a mobile phone? Because if you have a power cut now and your router goes off, your landline will not work. Whereas in the past, if you had a power cut, you were getting a certain voltage down those copper wires all the way from the exchange, which could be several kilometers away that would power your phone. So to maintain and look after that network is very expensive. There's lots of restrictions, Colette, and you'll probably ask me more questions, but you're exchange dependent. I know you're both based in Scotland. So I'm based in Leeds. I can't take my Leeds number on a traditional ISDN or PSDN and move next door to you, Colette. It's not possible but I can using something like WebEx calling or SIP-based services. So if we spun up an environment today, I could give you any number that you want within reason within the UK. So hopefully that answers your question around ISDN and how important it is to, to know about what's going on. So let's just pretend there's people like me listening to this, people who they've 
worked in offices all their lives, but they just turn up to their desk and they answer the phones and they make phone calls and they don't actually know what's going on in that office to make that happen. So explain to me when we talk about on-premise calling, yeah, like what, where was it? And when we talk about server rooms and we talk about big rooms and if somebody wants to add a telephone number, what used to happen? Like what was the process? And now yeah. how is that simplified on a calling, a cloud calling platform? Yeah, so it's astronomically different, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, so you've probably got various size customers that, that, that listen to this call. So we'll start with, I don't know, a small cafe, for instance, or something like that, you know, that might have a kitchen out the back, something at the front, three or four phones. Yeah, let's just assume something like that. Um, or a small retailer. It doesn't necessarily have to be a cafe. So traditionally in the past, what they would have to do is buy probably – um, two channels of ISDN2, so they're digital lines. So when I say two channels, that means two physical voice lines. So I can make a phone call out to you, Colette, and Rosie could receive a call in the, I don't know, the, the back office or the, you know, the, the manager's office. Once we've had our calls activated and we're making calls, no one else can dial in. So that was a challenge for a lot of people, just so you know. So what you would then have to do is buy an additional pair of ISDN channels. So it would be another line, which gave you two channels. And then you could have the phone calls as we've just done, and then you could have another two that come through. And typically, you would have a ratio as well. So if we took 10 people, for instance, you would normally go for two or four channels. It was normally a 10 to 1 five to one kind of ratio to give you a bit of an idea, but it depends on your business. So there was a calculation. So there's a bit of complexity that you would have to take into account. The next thing you would have to do is order them. So as we said earlier on to order ISDN2 would take 20 working days. So you would order that through your supplier. Normally that supplier might just provide the ISDN, but they might provide a telephone system as well. So you have a charge for your ISDN, you'll be billed for your ISDN and you'll pay for call charges. You can have things like DDIs. So you've probably both got DDIs now, but you could have a range of one. You could have a range of 10. You could have a range of 100 DDIs, but they would cost you a bit more extra. So you would have your main services. So I don't know, um, just the main number and you would have 10 numbers. So that means that if Colette dialed out, she could present a main number um, or she could choose to present her DDIs. So if it's the manager's one, um, you know, it might go through to Rosie when, when, when we dial out. And you could use that thing for, for promos. But again, these things would take like 10 days. They would cost a hundred pounds planning fee. There would be a DDI charge per month. Uh, and then you were restricted to just your area code as we talked around. So we've not even gotten to the phone system part. So you would have a charge. An ISDN2 would typically cost around £32 a month plus your call charges. And to install them, I think it was £249. So we've not even got a phone <laughs> yet. And that's cost us quite a bit of money, you know. So £250, £30 a month plus call charges. Then the next thing you need to do is have a physical on-prem, as, as we call it, telephone system. So there's multiple brands. I think the original training that I did for you, Colette, that you saw was maybe a Panasonic phone system or a Samsung. So I used to work with those technologies. So you would have something like a Samsung 7030. And that phone system was capable of 16 extensions and four channels of ISDN2. 
The challenge with that is once you wanted more than four channels, you would have to buy another card. If the system wasn't capable of that, you would have to buy a new phone system. And all of these things incur charges. They incur time, yeah, and they restrict you, you know. So it was never, oh, can you just turn on a channel for me or can you just give me an extra phone? It was always quite a laborious thing. The next thing you would need is once you've got your phone system mounted is to pay for someone to install it. That wasn't cheap. Range, the partners I used to work for, anything from five to six hundred pounds a day to install those. You would have to also cable them. So a lot of people wouldn't have the cable from the box on the wall to your physical telephone. And you might have traditional cabling, which was known as 1308 cable, which was just copper twisted pair. Basically, it just enabled just like an analog or a digital phone to work. Now we use things like Cat5, Cat6 that you'll be more familiar with. And you could use that type of cable to deliver digital analog phones as well as IP-based phones that obviously is more prevalent now. The next thing you would then have is someone to train you to use it, right? So because it wasn't simple and you didn't know how to configure it yourself and there wasn't a portal. And guess what? All those phones collect could only be used in the office. They were physically tied to an on-prem system. So when the pandemic hit, if that hit us, I don't know, even 10 years ago, yeah? If you wanted to run your business... I think we were, as much as the pandemic has been a horrible thing, from a technology base here at Cisco and on all the other companies that provides cloud-based technology, we've really helped, in my opinion, a lot of businesses morph and change and accelerate that change because that on-prem system was very much restricted. And guess what? If it went down, Colette, all you could do is divert all your numbers to one number to a mobile phone. So the user experience wasn't very good either. So... I would estimate, you know, if I, you know, when I used to be an account manager years ago, the phone system for a small business like that might have been about £1,500. You would probably lease it over three or five years. That was probably, I don't know, 80 to £120. You had your ISKIN2 at £32. You had your call charges. And guess what? You had to maintain it. And then if there was a problem, you had to pay for a call out. So you can see there's all these charges and then the person that used to look after it, so Rosie's left the business, no one knows how to do a forward and then they charge you for stuff like that. So, it, you know, although systems, you know, there's many still out there and many that are still working, they do have their hindrances, you know, lead times, ordering parts, they go end of life. Um, so hopefully that answers your question about on-prem. Um, is that all right? Yeah, that, that answers it perfectly. And I think that actually leads me on to the next one because you started okay. to talk a little bit about features and if someone left a company and nobody knew how to put forwarding on or whatever, that was all lost. But I think people sometimes and some customers will be quite wary about moving to cloud calling because they think that they might not get as many features as what they do with their on-premise solution. Can you dispel that myth for us, Nick? Is that not the case or is it the case? Is there less features in cloud calling or can they pretty much do the same as what they're doing with their on-prem calling when they move to the cloud? Yeah, so to be brutally honest, there very much is feature transparency across the two, whether you have an on-prem or, or cloud-based. There's one or two things and normally through questioning um, uh, and the way I teach colleagues just like yourselves, you know, is to ask those questions, you know, um, things like do you need... Um, so some sort of billing platform, something that we talked about in the past, Colette. You know, the, the, there's the odd bits and pieces, but predominantly for, I would say, 99% of cases, 
there is no real difference whether you have an on-prem system from features to, to a cloud system. I think the main difference actually is the accessibility and the ease, certainly of our platform. And I can't speak for all the others out there, but certainly I've been very impressed with what we offer, which is Control Hub. You log in. Um, and you've seen this, you know, I, I've, I've done demos for clients and partners uh, alike, and I can spin up a user. Um, so I could spin up Rosie. I reckon in start to finish, I could do it in three minutes to create her as a user, give her a soft climb. I obviously can't deliver a phone to her in three minutes, but I could give her soft phone access. I could set her up on an iPad or a laptop or a mobile phone, which let's face it, the majority of people have these days, and assign a PSDN number. She didn't have a PSDN number. Yeah, we were saying that, um, weren't we, Colette, on our last podcast was actually like the how the pandemic has just accelerated so many different technologies, but especially within like hybrid working and focusing on like how do we make it easier to work in these current times because it's vastly different to how we started pre-COVID. So it's just across the board, isn't it? Yeah. And, and do you know what? For all the bad things that the pandemic's done, and, you know, I myself had COVID and, and it wasn't nice, you know, but for all the bad things, there's been a lot of positives out the back back of it, you know, in terms of acceleration to homeworking. Like, I remember for years, Rosie and Colette, that it was so hard to say to customers, your on-prem system limits you to working in that office. You know, we started to add things like remote IP phones. So you would have to have the phone system on site, Colette. You'd have a phone at home, but it would connect back into the system. You'd have to make sure the connection was good. Then they would say, is it resilient? And there was, again, all these myths and costs and, and everything else. And I remember supporting a charity through the pandemic. And they were in a situation where they had an on-prem system. Uh, it was actually a Cisco on-prem system, uh, a CUCM. And they didn't have the licenses and the hardware and everything I just talked around. And I, I was asked by a colleague, a gentleman called Steve Metcalf, um, that, that I work with here at Cisco. And, and Steve and I um, spun up a control hub instance with Web at Schooling. And literally within 24 hours, we had this charity set up answering calls for people. And, and the thing that was really compelling for me was is the feedback was how many people's lives we had saved, you know, because they supported people who were going through challenging times, you know. So when you look at that and, you know, that's a huge positive. One of the other ones that I get maybe challenged on is, oh, but what if we move from an on-premise solution to the cloud? Will there be any downtime involved? Like, am I, all my telephones are going to be switched off in order to like move, make this move, what happens, Nick, when that when somebody makes a decision to move on-prem to cloud? Is there downtime? Is the business affected? Um, so it depends. Most cases, not, but it depends on how it's managed. And this really comes down to the partner that, that you're working with. Um, Cisco predominantly works with partners to deliver our solutions. So to give you an example, if you had an on-prem service, like we talked about that example of like a bakery or a cafe or something like that, the thing with the way the technology is delivered with WebEx calling, for instance, is delivered over IP, you know, over the internet or over a data connection. And traditionally, your ISDN services are not. So what you can actually do is deploy the two services side by side. So we never actually touched. I, I know we touched on this a little bit, but it's crazy. I think Cisco sold the most phones we've ever sold in the last 12, 24 months. It's been crazy because in the UK, we love phones. You know, I've, you know, you probably see them behind me, you know, we love our phones, you know, so soft phones are great. 
but some people don't want to adopt a soft phone, you know. So what you could do is in that scenario is you could have the phone side by side if you wanted to. You could have the delivery of your, your calls coming in on the old system. You can set up the new system being where it's calling, for, in, for instance, to dial out. So you just pick up the phone, you make your calls. You can present a different number, you know, so we can present that main number. So if, if they're concerned about that, so you can um, set your number within where it's calling to present your number because you own it. Um, and then what will happen is something called a number port. So it's a bit like um, if you've got a mobile phone, if you've ever changed mobile network operators, I don't know, gone from O2 to EE, you'll get a PAT code. You don't get a PAT code in this scenario, but, but you, you, you do like a letter-headed request. It's all done digitally, to be honest with you now, but you do a request, you choose a port date, and on that set port date, the number will move over. So I suppose to dispel that myth, as long as it's managed correctly in the scenario that I've just given you there, there's, there's no reason to worry. You know, you've got two systems side by side, um, and, you know, on that given date of the port, the phones will just stop working. You won't be able to dial out and all the services move over. And everything can be pre-built in Control Hub and WebEx calling with those numbers. So, you know, the partner will manage that, typically project manage that and make sure you're comfortable. But, you know, there used to be lots of issues, you know, with, with stuff like this. But when you're using two different delivered technologies, we don't really see those problems anymore. And it's not something that I've seen for a long time. You know, a lot of businesses, including small businesses, you know, have on-prem calling um, and the whole idea around calls calling is probably a bit daunting. I think for me, a lot of the time, um, security comes up as one of the kind of objections to be moving to cloud calling. don't know if you could maybe speak around that and, you know, dispel any myths around moving to cloud calling is going to affect the business's security. So from a security perspective, look, you know, we are a huge um, security company on our own right and all the technologies that we have, um, you know, to access some of the security information. I obviously can't even speak about it on this call, uh, but effectively, you know, when when you log in, we can use things like single sign-on to, to get into the platform. You have administrative rights as well. And typically you'll procure the services through a partner as well, and they'll provide you the services on there as well. So for me, you know, based on what I've seen in the past, it's a very secure platform and, and you know, um, and you'll know this yourself when you log into things like Control Hub, which is our single point or single interface to access, um, whether it's calling and how to configure it, you, you get all of the transparent information about security patches, updates, if there's been any outages, which luckily for us, there isn't really outages, you know, but we're really open and honest about that information. And people can search on that on, I believe it's status.webex.com. So you can see what's going on with the platform. So for me, if I was a small business, there's always that reluctance because in the past, you know, SIP-based technologies were, were missold. They, they were missold on the basis that people would throw, um, you know, just home broadband connections in, pile 100 telephones down a data connection, um, and there just wasn't enough bandwidth, you know, and the, the way the technology has evolved now and the bandwidth that's available, you just don't see those problems anymore. And what it really comes down to, again, is just explaining this stuff, because as I said right at the start of this recording, you know, Calling is not a really simple thing and wasn't, you know, and I think it's really important you have that foundation knowledge. I think, you know, if, if you're listening to this and you've got an on-prem call system and it's working perfectly fine and you've got no issues, what would you say is the biggest benefit about moving to cloud? If like just in a snippet, 
if you've got someone they're happy with their current system what could what are they missing out on yeah so i could answer that about 900 different ways rosie to be honest with you so we, we, your we, we talk, yeah um well there's obviously the isdn one so you're gonna have to do something so if you've got an on-prem system um with ISDN, you're going to have to put some sort of gateway and put SIP into it. So, you know, numbers delivered down a data connection. So you would have to at least do that. That's something you would have to do, you know, if you were to do a stepping process. And that can be done with Cisco, that can be done with someone else, right? The, the second part to it is the accessibility. So, you know, one thing that I'm amazingly impressed with working for such an organization is that, you know, we've got these small businesses that can, you know, literally create sites and users globally. We have a global reach. You know, I think that's very impressive that, you know, to do something like that, Colette, if you were to open an office in Spain, you'd have to ship a phone over there, probably put a phone system and have some sort of traditional kind of system there, a normal PBX, you know, an on-prem PBX. You don't need to do that anymore. You just create an organization on Control Hub, you deploy your users and they can be anywhere across the world. So what does that do, Rosie? Well, suddenly we've got people that are accessible all over the globe that can work for you. So that's a huge benefit for any business. And I love that Cisco do that as well. You know, you, both of you are based up in Scotland and I'm here down in England in Leeds, you know, and, you know, we're, we're not restricted by our technology. You know, our technology actually enables us to all work and collaborate remotely. I think another thing, um, Rosie, to add to that is that, you know, you don't have to just use um, traditional phones or a soft phone. I'm using a Desk Pro, you know, and my experience of that is amazing. You know, that it, it transforms my my working environment at home and even seeing the quality on the WebEx desk camera that Colette has and the ability to make phone calls from that and escalate, you know, from a voice call into a video call is brilliant, you know. So there's three answers. Um, I think the other thing is, when it comes to WebEx calling, you're not having to worry about an upgrade, Rosie. Okay, so we talked about this. You know, how many iPhones have we had in the last 10 years? The iPhone X was the 10th anniversary. That's why they called it the iPhone X, right? And there's been 10. I've got an iPhone 13, right? So from a hardware on-prem, you can see technology moves so fast, you know? You've got facial recognition and Apple Pay and all these crazy things that you can do with an iPhone. Effectively, it was an iPod back in the day that made a phone call, right? So that's transformed as well. And all the other stuff that my daughter loves doing with animojis and filters and God knows what else, right? So if we look at that from a phone system point of view as well, with WebEx calling as an example, you don't have to worry about an upgrade, an update. That's all done by Cisco, okay? It's managed and maintained by us as well. So our partners will communicate that with you, we'll do that. But it means that from a technology point of view, you're not having to keep you know, installing, paying for a service for an upgrade. So that's another one. We talked about speeded deployment. Um, so there's many, like I say, you know, I could, I could reel loads off, but hopefully those four or five give you a nice, uh, nice summary of what we could do. I'll end with this because I thought this was quite funny to end on. And obviously, I don't think we've gone through one podcast episode yet, Rosie, where I've not mentioned TikTok in some form or another. <laughs> but I oh, saw God. a TikTok video, right, that legit people were like showing that the younger generation now do not use the same symbol for making a phone call as what we do. So if I was yeah. asking you right now, like make a phone call, right? We'd all do either you'd use your yeah, th- index finger. Yeah. Obviously, we're 
the podcast doesn't go out of video, so I will explain what's happening here. You're either putting your pinky and your index finger up to your ear, or you're using your thumb and your pinky, and you're making yeah. like a phone call up to your ear. The young generation, if you say to them, like, make a gesture as if you had to phone someone, they do this. Just do a flat hand. Their smartphone. Or, even worse, there's some people out there who'll do that. When you say make a phone call. <laughs> so that has died. This this is how we I know, because to be fair, guys. like, I always make, if, like, I phone in my family, I always do a FaceTime. So like, you can imagine, like, young kids, if, you know, they're showing the granny or the auntie or the uncle or whatever and they're always on facetime aren't they? so that's making a phone call isn't it so there you go dear listeners there's a task for you all if you've got young people in your lives ask them the next time what sign would they make if you asked them to make the sign for making a phone call and let's just test it because i think over a certain under a certain age people are not making the traditional make a phone call sign anymore which in my opinion is really sad so <laughs> uh, but on that note nick thank you very much for joining us uh, rosie it was another great tiktok TikTok? No, it wasn't. It was another great TikTok. <laughs> but also, we had comments the last time about the accent. TikTok, TikTok, and a Scottish accent is basically the same, isn't it? So, this is a TikTok, guys, not a TikTok. Um, but thank you for joining us, Nick. Thanks for filling us in on Cloud Calling. Um, and yeah, hopefully, the listeners have learned something new today. So, that's a wrap on this month's TikTok. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Cisco UKI podcast to make sure you keep up to date with all the latest episode releases and reach out to Rosie and I at ukipodcast at cisco.com to share your suggestions and feedback. See you next time.